Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Lift your hands to God. Give Him praise. Give Him glory. Father, we lift our hands to you in thanksgiving. Be thou exalted, O God, above all the nations, above all the earth. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you adoration. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Good evening, everyone. And welcome to the midweek service, Gethsemane. I want to welcome every one of you, wherever you're watching from. Um, those in diaspora, you're welcome. Those in Nigeria, you're welcome. Everybody, welcome to our midweek service. Welcome to Gethsemane. I want to encourage you to share the link with someone. Share with your friends. Share with somebody you love, somebody you care about, somebody you want to remind about service this evening. So let's do that. I tell you, it's one of the interesting way of evangelism for us as a church and I tell you many people who have joined the new just through someone shared the link and someone saw it on social media someone saw it on YouTube somebody saw it on someone else's page and uh, you know we've gotten a lot of people saved by that and many people who have joined this great mighty army so I want to encourage you to do that very quickly um, before we get into the word this evening Enot 3.0 was powerful. Let me try and use um, Londoner's tones in it. Was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> Enot 3.0 was good. Um, such a tangible glory, tangible presence of the Lord. Um, I just want to say this about that meeting. I believe that one of the things that the Lord did um, in that meeting was to place his right hand upon your life. Um, the hand of God very strong very strong, very strong upon your life glory be to God hallelujah, amen alright let's bow our heads and we pray Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Spirit of living God tonight we ask that you would speak your word to us your word is able to build us up your word is able to give us an inheritance of the saint your word is a treasure to us a man who has found treasure. That's what your word is to us. And so every time we gather around the word, we come prepared because we know that we are changed, we are transformed as we behold, as in our image, the glory of the Lord. We are changed from glory, from glory to glory to glory. And tonight, here again, as we sit to drink from your cup, we receive the engrafted word of grace. The spirit of truth communicate to our spirit. The tangibility of God's power, grace, favor in our lives. And after tonight's meeting, may we be truly transformed, changed radically. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Alright. If you looked at this flyer that we shared for service today, it has in it... Um, the assembly, that is the team for the, for the meeting. But on top of the flyer, if you observe, 
you realize that we have on it pre-next conference meetings, pre-next conference meetings. I believe that across all the new installation around Nigeria and also um, in the UK, we did an official launch of the team for the next conference 2023. And it's my great honor and great privilege to start out this evening, all right, by taking us through a journey of what this next conference is about. And what I'm trying to do and attempt to do by the help of the Holy Spirit is to prepare us for the conference that is six weeks away. Wow. The next conference is six weeks away. And now, you know, one of the things that the Lord has helped us to do as a church, all right, is this conference, the next conference. And this conference has blessed many souls. It has blessed many lives. And one of the things I want to do this evening is to prepare us for the next conference. Now, if you are a member of the new in this army, I want you to listen very critically to the thing that I'm about to teach. And I want you to listen to the, to the instructions that I'm about to share with you. Now, I want every one of you listening to me to go get a notepad and a pen. If you're watching with your tabs, if you're watching with your TV screen, I want you to get a notepad, I want you to get a pen, and I want you to write, all right, some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you in preparation for the next conference. You see, this particular next conference would be the biggest conference we've done in the history of this ministry called The New. It's going to be the biggest and that's why one of the things that the Holy Spirit has laid on my heart and our hearts and the leadership is to prepare us longer ahead so we have the next six weeks. And so between now and the end of next conference, June the 10th, we are going to be teaching and preparing us for this conference. Why? Because we do not want this conference to just be yet another conference. We want it to leave an illegible mark in your life. A mark that would be there for the rest of your life. And that's why I want to prepare you myself and I bring to you the word of God as the first teaching at this conference called the next conference. Now the next conference started five years ago, right? Five years ago when the news started, the Lord laid upon my heart to start a conference called the next conference that is positioned in the body of Christ for this generation to speak about the things that he wants to do with them, of them, and through them. And five years ago, we started out the first next conference. And the next conference has been from one glory to another glory to another glory, as the scripture says, that the part of a justice as a shining light, it shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. And every next conference they experience has always been better than the other one. It's always from one level to another level to another level. And this year is going to be what eyes has not seen, what ears has not heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of any man what the Lord wants to do with this conference. Of course, we know the team for the conference, all right? The team is called the legislation. And you see, in the place of prayer, when the Lord gave me this team, I was, you know, I was marooned. And I was like, wow, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want to do with this conference? Why would you team a conference, the legislation, and all through between now and the end of the six weeks period to the next conference, 
I believe that I'm going to be teaching with other speakers in preparation so that we can demystify this team and we can bring everyone to upscale to the knowledge of the truth of God's word at this time what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us as a church family. And so this morning, this evening, pardon me, this would be the first teaching, the first set of teaching for the next conference 2023. Now I want you to write this on your writing material before I begin to teach. The first thing that the Lord said to me about this particular next conference is that it's going to be a conference of change of garments. I want you to write that down. The Bible says, believe the Lord your God. He says, you'll be established. He says, believe your prophets. You will prosper. And so I want you to listen to what I'm saying because the words which I'm speaking to you this evening are not just with mere words. I'm not trying to tell you something just to expect or to build your expectation. Yes, that is it. But this is a word from the Lord. It's a direct word from God. It says it's going to be a conference of change of garments. What that means is that the old will be completely done away with and the new you will fully emerge. The Spirit of the Lord is saying that it's a prophetic conference. Listen, guys, I don't want you to look at this conference just the same way you've been looking at every next conference. There's something special about this conference. Number one, the Lord told us to move this conference to the city center, just like we did with Butterfly. So we're doing this conference at Landmark Event Center. And you'll see all the things that's going to happen through this conference, you know, the publicity, all of the social effects that this conference will cause. But the most important thing that the Lord has placed in my heart to share with you is that this conference would be a conference of change of garments. It means that God is going to change your outer skin <laughs> and give you a new wine. And I want you to believe God for that. So put it somewhere there. I'm talking about the prophecies. And so that when you begin to pray, when you begin to get ready for the conference, in your time of fasting and praying, which we're going to do, you know what you are praying for and believing for for this conference. The number two thing the Lord told me about this conference is that it's going to be a conference of mantles. It's going to be a conference of mantles. It says ancient mantles will be handed over. Ancient mantles will be handed over. One of the things which is going to be very significant in this conference would be that your words, the words which you speak will change transform in a different way. And let me explain what that means. There are many people who you have admired, many people who you have looked up to. The Lord says he's giving you words like them, stocked up in your bone as fire. It says it's going to be a conference of mantles. And so I want your heart to be expectant. I want you to believe God for these things. Listen, this is mantles are the succession plans in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus. Mantles are the ways in which God causes a new succession to happen from one generation to another generation. If you look at Elijah and Elisha, you see succession there through mantles. You see Jesus pray for his disciples in the book of Acts chapter 1 when he spent 40 days with them, teaching them things pertaining to the kingdom. Mantles were being transferred. And that's the same thing that's going to happen in this conference. Listen, in the body of Christ, there is a succession going on. And those who are going to succeed in this succession will be people who have the mantles of ancient. And that's the second thing the Lord is saying that's going to happen at the conference. The third thing, and I want you to write that down. There are many, but I'll share with you just three for today. Is that it's going to be a conference of swap. Swap. You know, if you go to a shoe store and you want to buy a shoe and you go with your friend, 
you pick your shoe and you use size 42 and then your shoe your friend uses size 44 or 43 and the shoe you want to buy which you love the most amongst the arrays of shoes that you have is size 42 which is your exact size but then your friend picked it ahead of you and your friend wanted to buy the shoe for his younger brother or his younger sister and it's still same size 42 and then you love the shoe so much and you tell your friend please let me have this shoe because I love the shoe I want to wear that shoe and I can give this other shoe that I don't really like I can give it to you to give it to your sister and then your friend obliges he gives you the shoe you really desire you collect the shoe from him you wear the shoe what has happened you have swapped from his shoe to, his, to your own the Lord said that there's going to be a lot of swapping a lot of swapping and I'm going to teach deeper on that because you can shout glory to God <laughs> but there are deeper connotations to what I just said right there but that's not for today may your place not be swapped with another person in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may your bishop Rick you know <laughs> Judas Iscariot lost his place because of greed because he was not able to go through the school of the spirit consistently so that God will walk an inner walk through him and in him and that's why he lost his place his place was swapped for another listen in every succession there is always the alighting of one person and the swapping of another person you go read it in the Bible the moment Elisha and Elijah was going together the other prophets were there the other prophet knew that there was going to be a transition but they were spectators when Elisha was pursuing and their roles were swapped they knew they saw but they didn't hold I pray for everyone on the sound of my voice you will not only know you will not only see but your hands will behold in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so tonight as I begin to prepare you for the next conference, listen, this is the 50th of the new. And in the Bible, if you look through, you would understand that five represents something special. Yeah, it represents something. The, the, the Jewish people have different meanings of different numbers. Three means something. Five means something. Seven means something. But I'm convinced by the Spirit of the living God that the fifth year of this conference for us as a church is prophetic is apostolic and there is a purpose why God has called the team the legislation and that's why I want your heart to be ready listen guys as a church family the only emphasis we're going to be making this year pardon me this season is the next conference 2023 and as Lord has helped me to hypothetically be like a Moses and I use that word with every sense of you know um, uh, tremble let me use that word carefully I want to help navigate you past the Red Sea so that every one of us would cross over into this new dimension and into this new succession in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, you have to obey, you have to adhere, you have to follow the instructions of your man of God as I begin to teach you, as I begin to prepare you. And I want to say something to you. Some of the most powerful things that are going to happen in the next conference would happen pre the next conference. I've learned many years ago in my life that whenever there is a conference going on or there's something big going on or the Lord by himself has called for a meeting just like he calls for the next conference. I told you many years ago, five years ago in my sitting room way back in Mushin praying for the, for the start of the new. The Lord told me about this conference called Next Conference. That you're going to start a conference for me in the body of Christ. It says it's going to spread around the nations of the earth. It says it's going to be a conference not just only in Nigeria, 
but it's going to be a conference across the world. It says thousands and millions of people all over the nations of the earth will gather together and come and feast in my word to hear with futuristic insight, foresight of what I have in plans for the generation. And he said, I'm going to put my anointing upon that conference. And everyone who listens, everyone who participates, everyone who follows, everyone who gets instructed and does what is said through the conference, he says, I'm going to call them to be alighted. And I'm going to put my spotlight upon them. So there's a special anointing of God for the next conference. Let me tell you something. I'm the pastor of the church. And for five years, I've seen how people change skin. How people go to another level. Every time we have next conference, even as a church family, after the next conference, we always go to another level. We go to another level financially. We go to another level impact-wise. We go to another level growth-wise. We go to another level influence-wise. And you see, if it is so for the church, then it should be so for your life. And I'm a testimony of that, and I believe many people also are testimonies of that. So this is not just a casual conference. This is not just a hype conference. Yes, we're going to hype it, but I tell you, it's a spiritual significant conference. And that's why I'm taking my time with a host of other pastors across the new that will be teaching us about the conference to prepare us ahead so that you can receive that which your portion is given to in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this, morning, this evening, I want your heart to be stirred. I want your heart to be open. You know, you can receive your own next conference gifts even before the conference. You don't have to wait till the conference date. You can start right now. If I were you, just like I'm doing, and I would do, I'll start praying. I'll start fasting. I don't need to call for a special time of prayer for the conference. Listen, you must learn how to take God seriously in the youth of your life. You must learn how to carry the burdens of God in your, in your generation and in your youthful age. And you must take your life so seriously whenever there are meetings like this. It's an announcement. Do you know that there were many people who went to Shiloh? <laughs> Just the same time, Anna went to Shiloh. But someone was spotlighted in the Bible because she went to Shiloh differently from the way every other person went. Oh yes, they go there every year. Oh yes, there's always next conference every year. But what would this conference be to you? We're going to spend millions of naira to do this conference. That money would not be wasted in your life. It's an investment in your spiritual life. But I tell you by the spirit of the living God. Listen, I've been in meetings many times. And the same me that came for that meeting was not the same me that went out. Not just because I said it theoretically, but I saw the evidence in my life. But I tell you the truth by the spirit of God. How you prepare for these meetings are important. You see, you can just go for an exam just by what the lecturer told you the first time you went for that lecture. Every serious student knows that, yes, I should go for the lecture, but not only should I go for the lecture, I must also study so that when I go into the exam hall, I will remember what I've been taught from, to me in the lecture. So your preparation precedes the manifestation. Your preparation is very important. And so that it's not just, oh, the next conference is coming. Our legislators, our legislating. No, you must prepare as a spiritual event. That must count in your life. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Amen to Jesus. This evening I want to teach as the first message for our conference. And the way it is usually done, the media team would always put the pre-service or the pre-next conference teachings all together. 
into the next conference teachings. All right, so this is the first message of the next conference 2023. And so I want to declare, just like all the resident pastors have done in their various churches, as the lead pastor of the new church, I want to declare spiritually, prophetically, and apostolically the next conference 2023 opened in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. That your experiences of elevation begins right now. And your divine enlistment into the portals and the things of God for your generation begins right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight, I want to continue with teaching I started on in the new Ibadan. I've gone to the new Ibadan on Sunday and during the week, I had a message that the Lord had put in my heart and I started brewing there. On Sunday morning, about 7 a.m., I woke up and I started to pray in the Holy Spirit. And after some time, I started to sense that the Lord wanted me to teach something else. And so I stayed there longer to pray. And after praying, I picked up my Bible and I started reading the Word. And as I was reading the Word of God, I stumbled on a scripture. I've read that scripture several times. I've even touched from that passage many times. And then Hula, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I locked in into that scripture. And I knew that's exactly what God wanted me to teach the new Ibadan. And as I began to prepare for the next conference 2023, the Holy Spirit said to me that your first message today should be the continuation of what you started on with the new Ibadan. So I'm going to start teaching us as you listen to what I'm about to teach you, I tell you by the Holy Spirit of God, your life will be redefined by the few things I'm about to say to you. I want your heart to be open. I want your heart to be expectant. Because the words which I speak are not just with enticing words of men, but they're with the Holy Ghost and with power. And so I want your heart to be opened. Turn with me your Bible. And I believe that every member of the new right now, in the seriousness as a student of the word would have your notepad, your writing material and the Bible with you as we journey right now together. So open your Bible and not only look at the screen but open your Bible to the book of the John chapter 9. The book of John chapter 9 and verse 25. John chapter 9 and verse 25. He therefore answered, Whether he is a sinner, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, and now I see. It says, One thing I know, I was blind before, but now I see. There are three types of sight. I'm just going to run through some of the things I said on Sunday because I want to go into the art of the message, so I'm just going to do like a, a, a debrief or a rebriefing of it. There are three types of sight that you have as a physical human being. The first one is your physical eyes. The physical eyes is what you used to see, is what you used to make way, go out. If you're driving, you need your eyes. If you want to eat, I mean, so many things you do with your physical eyes. But as great as that physical eyes is, that's not all the eyes that you have. You must understand 
that these things are spiritual connotations even for a human being. Your physical eyes are great. I want to pray for everyone on the side of my voice who is believing for healing in their physical eyes right now. Wherever you are watching from online, as I stretch my right hand towards you right now, let the hand of God heal that eyes completely now. In the name of Jesus, you foul spirit of infirmity, I command you out in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so you have your physical eyes. And that's great. The second eyes that you have is your spiritual eyes. It says that which we see not right now are temporal. The things that we do not see are eternal. The difference between Saul, Esau, and Jacob is that one could see what the other person cannot see. Listen. A man said one quote which was very powerful. He said, Great is the distress of a man who has two physical eyes but no spiritual sight. He says, Great is the distress of that man. The distress of that man. Your spiritual eyes is as important as your spiritual eyes. Why? Because your spiritual, your physical eyes, pardon me, because your spiritual eyes gives you access to what your physical real eyes cannot see. Your physical eyes are limited. No matter how far your eyes and how good your eyes are, you can't see what is happening in London. You can't see what is happening in Germany. You can't even see what is happening to your next room if your door is locked. But you see, the spiritual eyes has no borders. It has no barriers. It has no boundary. You can be right here in Lagos, Nigeria, and with your spiritual eyes, you can know what is going on with your family in Portugal. You can know what is going on with your family in Kuala Lumpur, in Guatemala, in Sri Lanka. You can see with your physical eyes someone who is very dear to you, who is very close to you. You might not see them physically for 10 years, for 15 years, but your spiritual eyes can have access to their lives and you can see and know things by that. And so the spiritual eyes is very important, right? The third eye there is the eye of your subconscious. It means that there are many things that you see and you know that you never read anywhere. Why? Because your subconscious is also very powerful. And that subconscious has an eyes. It picks things without you knowing about it. The eyes of your subconscious. Unfortunately, there are many people who make the life decisions based on the eyes of their subconscious. What their eyes of the subconscious sees is what they act on and what they do. They don't make decisions based on their spiritual life, eyes. They don't even make decisions based on their physical. They make decisions based on their subconscious. But while all of these three eyes are good, it is also worthy of note that these three must function perfectly together to be able to get to the final place God has intended for you. But I pity a man who has the two physical and the subconscious eyes working but does not have the spiritual eyes working. And so this evening, we're going to go into the original texts of this scripture and so that we can understand where this is all going to. So now turn your Bible with me and I want everyone to open the Bible to the book of John chapter 9 and verse 1. John chapter 9 and verse 1. And I read, And as he passed by, I saw a man blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parent, and that he should be born blind? 
verse 3 and Jesus answered neither did this man say nor his parent but that the works of God should be made manifest in him look at verse 4 verse 4 then says it says we must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day it says the night cometh that no man can walk verse 5 and when I am in the world I am the light of the world verse 6 and when he has spoken he spat on the ground and made clay of the ground and anointed his eyes with the clay verse 7 and he said unto him watch this now go wash in the pool of Siloam which is interpreted saying the pool of the scent and he went therefore and washed and came seen now this text was a particular guy that Jesus observed and noticed the Bible says this guy was born blind from the womb now the disciples of Jesus looked at Jesus and were thrilled by that it's like wow master what probably happened to this guy pardon my voice my voice is gone so if you hear a crack in my voice you know I've been doing back to back meetings so just follow me it says what, what happened to this guy this guy is blind from birth so they started to ask Jesus a question number one Jesus was it the father or the mother seen that made this guy blind or could it be that it was the scene of this guy that made this guy blind and Jesus said to them see it's not the scene of this guy it's not the scene of the mother and that's that's a teaching on its own though because of time I don't want to really dwell so much on that but he said so that the work of the Lord will be made manifest so that you can see and behold the glory of our Lord Jesus but this was the most important thing in this text that I want to highlight for us what happened next Jesus went to the ground and Jesus took the sand from the ground. Watch this now. As he took the sand from the ground, the Bible says he spat on it. And Jesus made clay out of it. And the moment Jesus made clay out of it, Jesus looked at the guy that was blind from the womb. The guy that was blind. Don't forget that. The guy was blind. So in this place, it was a physical blind. It was physically blind. So also, let's say, his subconscious was blind. Let's say also, his spiritual sight was blind. And Jesus made clay. And then Jesus put the clay that he made from the ground on the guy's eyes. Now, watch what would have happened. Because the moment Jesus did that, it's expected that the guy would see. But look at what Jesus said to the guy. Jesus said to the guy, he says, go to the pool of Siloam. And go and wash. And when you wash your face in the pool of Siloam, your sight will recover. You will recover your sight. And the Bible said something very profound. The Bible said the guy went, washed, and saw. If you look at the message translation, this is how the message translation puts it. The message translation puts it this way, that he went, washed, and saw. He went, washed, and saw. He went, washed, and saw. Now watch this. Jesus said, go to the pool of Siloam. Another word, the meaning of the pool of Siloam is that go to the pool of the scent. 
When you go to the pool of the sand and you wash, you will see. Now let me break it down for you now. Look at me everyone. You see, Jesus made the clay on the ground and put it in the guy's eyes. But guess what? That was not enough for the guys to see. The guy had to go to the pool of the sand. He had to go to the pool of the sand. Now watch this now. If the guy went to Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda, and washed his face, the guy wouldn't have seen. Because there was a specific place the guy had to go to, which is the pool of Siloam, meaning the pool of the sand. The guy had to go to the sand. The people who God has sent to him to go and wash his face so that he can see. So Jesus would make the clay, put the clay in his eyes, but the clay was not enough for him to see. He had to go to the people that God has sent him to. The pool of the scent. The pool of the scent. And so there are people that God has sent you to. You know, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15, it says, I'm going to show you a teacher. Another version says, I'm going to show you a pastor. After my own heart, it will feed you with knowledge and truth. It will feed you with knowledge and truth. The pool of the scent. Who is the scent? The Bible says, John speaking. Let's go then. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's look at verse 6. It says that there came a man, underline that word, there came a man sent from God. Sent from God. Listen, the saints are not sent by men. The saints are sent from God. And so it is God who picks the saints and then God sends the saints. Now let's go to Jeremiah the book of Jeremiah chapter 1. Oh my goodness. Jeremiah chapter 1. And let's read from verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Before I formed thee in the belly I knew thee, and before thou camest forth of the womb, I sanctify thee, and have appointed thee a prophet unto the nations. Do you see that? I sanctify thee, I sent you as a prophet unto the nations. So you see that it is God who selects the saints and sends the saints. Look at verse 6, it says, Then I said, Ah, God, Jehovah, behold, I am not out to speak, for I am a child. In verse 7, But Jehovah said unto him, Say not, I am a child. For whomsoever I send you to go, thou goest, and whatever I commanded thou to speak, thou speakest. Be not be afraid of them, for I am with I am with thee, and I will deliver thee, said Jehovah. And the Lord said, Put her hands in his mouth, and touched my mouth. And Jehovah said unto me, Behold, I have put my words, underline that words, I have put my words in thy mouth. So the Lord would always send the saints with his words in their mouth. He would always send the saints with his words in their mouth. Now watch this now, verse 10. He says, see, I have set thee over the nations and above the kingdoms to plug up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Verse 11. He says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? 
And he said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Verse 12, then he said unto me, Thou hast seen well, for I would watch over my word in your life to perform it. So do you see that the scent has a special connectivity with God? Not based on their selection, but it's based on God's divine protocols of heaven over their life. But you see, Jesus says, I'm going to make the clay. I'm going to put it on your eyes. But I'm going to have to send you to the scent. It is a scent who can wash your eyes so that you can see properly. This evening, I want to take you on a spiritual journey about the power of the local assembly. Listen to me, everyone. The power of the local assembly. Because you see, the way God apportioned the earth is the same way God apportioned the territories of the waters. He kept the boundaries of the waters and they kept the boundaries of the earth. He knows where it should rain. He knows when it should not. It's the same way God apportions people in spiritual families. And when you realize and identify your sins, you see, you can be going through the journey of life and your eyes will remain blind even though you have the clay of Jesus in your eyes. But you will not see until you go to the pool of the scent. Until the scent washes you, then you can see properly. The reason why many people are making life problematic situations and decisions is because they are plugged in the wrong places. It's because they are not staying in the pool of the scent. They are going to Bethesda when the Lord wants them to be in Silo. Because there is a pool called your own. There is a pool that you must wash from. There is a pool that must wash your eyes to see. There is a word you must hear that can transform your life. You are not sent to everyone and everyone is not sent to you. No matter how excited you feel about everything on the body of Christ or in the, as you celebrate everyone, not everything or everyone is sent to you. There is a sent one to you. It's the same way they were sent once as John the Baptist said in the scripture that we read, John the Baptist had people he was sent to to baptize but when Jesus came, there was a higher protocol and Jesus was sent as well. And so you see, one of the life decisions you are going to make in your life, I've said this before, let me put it this way. You see, many of us from the age of one to about 25 we couldn't make the most critical decisions of our lives. Number one, the secondary school you went to, your parents likely made it for you. The primary school you went to, your parents likely made it for you. The friends that you made when you were growing up was determined by the social class of your parents. The friends that you grew up with was determined by the social class of your parents. The decisions of your life from 25 years of your life was not made by you. And do you know that for some other people, that's about one third of people's existence on the earth. And majority of that decision was not made by you. But guess what? From about 25 thereabouts to the rest of your life, the core decisions of your life should be made by you. Or rather, it's expected to be made by you. But guess what? Do you realize that that is the very decision many people make without thoughts without the eyes of the spirit's involvement in so it is based on what they think what they like what they feel 
it's always how they feel, not what the pool. Where is my pool? Hmm. Listen, if you understand and you go study about fishing, you would understand that every fisherman has his own sect. You can't just go and cast your net in somebody else's sect. There is a pool for you. Where is my pool? And some of the decisions you'll never be able to make, they are decisions then as you grow, you will then be able to make some of the decisions. For example, the university many people went to, maybe your parents even made that decision for you. But do you realize that one of the most significant things that, that affects what you think, what you see, where you run, how you run, everything about your life is in the spiritual family that God puts you in. Your ideologies, your mindset, they are shaped by your spiritual family. And that's the very decision people trivialize in making. I was sharing to them in the new Ibadan. And I was talking about how many of you have gone to the slum before. And if you go to some of those places, you see that there are canteens in those places. There are buka. Some of them beside the gutter. No matter how hungry you are, some of you will not even buy snacks in those places. Why? Because the environment of that place doesn't collaborate with what your standards are. You don't want to rot in your belly because you want to eat. Do you know that this is how people make life decisions? But when it comes to the local assembly, the scent pool, people just feel like, oh, I can just, I can just go anywhere I feel like going. And there is a place called your place. The fish cannot function on the ground. The fish must be found in water. It's the same way the lion, no matter the roar of the lion, the lion must not be found inside the water. The lion must be found on the ground. So there is a pool of the scent. Before he formed you, he apportioned you. God did not send you on the earth just to stroll by. God did not, listen, God did not cause you to stumble on the new just because he wanted you to see something. You see, when there is alignment spiritually, it is easier to run faster. If you're driving a car and you leave the steering like this and the car begins to go like that, if you go and meet a mechanic, they'll tell you go and do wheel balancing and alignment so that the car can go straight. The reason why people's lives are going like this is because the two legs, the four legs of their life wiring is out of alignment so there is wheel balancing and alignment needed. So tonight I came to help us to wheel balance and align our lives so that you will not succeed in the wrong path because you can still have succession but succession in the wrong place. And guess what? God only rewards where he has kept you. The right place. The right order. Listen, God loves you so much that if he has his hand in picking who you marry, if he has his hand in picking where you stay, if he has his hand in where you, the family you came out from, the biological family you came out from, then he also has his hand in the pastors that he has sent to you. Believe what I'm telling you today. God is such an orderly God. is a God of order and protocols that he understands the concept. And that's why he created the system of the church. And so we must go back. We must go back. We must go back to the very foundation. Let me tell you something. Every vision in the body of Christ has divine apportioned assignment. Let me give a very clear example. 
let's say there are four missions or churches or whatever. One, I'm using an example here, one can be called, all right, one can be called to famine. I want to use famine. So everybody, like the 12 tribe of Israel, everybody in that tribe are portioned to do that. Another one can be called to hunting. Then another one can be called to buying and selling, trading. Now, in your divine wiring, God apportions you to where you function. So if your divine wiring is supposed to be in farming, he apportions you to farming. If your divine wiring is supposed to be to trading, he apportions you to trading. If your divine wiring is supposed to be to uh, hunting, he puts you in hunting. But what happens to many people is that your wiring is what you have, but people make decisions and tie their wiring based on what they think is good for them. But you see, you can be in another place, but your wiring will be speaking out for expression. So it is God who calls you. So when we say you are called of God, it's not just that you are called on your own. When the call of God is upon the life of a man, he sets his boundaries for that man. Oh my goodness. When the call of God is upon your life, he sets his boundaries. He tells you go here, travel here, live here because of the call of God upon your life. Do you know that the call of God upon Jesus' life determined where Jesus had to come out from? It determined the times when they say, oh, leave the baby, take the baby away and go to Bethlehem. Why? Because the calling defines also the placements. You see, if God helps you to understand the spiritual order and the spiritual discipline, you would see how your life will go fast. One of the, I wanted to write this down, one of the hallmark of greatness is to travel light. You must learn how to travel light. You see, there are many people who are spiritually obese. And if you are spiritually obese, you can't run the race of life. Listen, have you seen anybody, listen to what I'm about to say to you, and I'm not trying to, but I'm telling you, have you seen anybody who is running a relay race, physically speaking, who just eats anyhow? There is a discipline in sports. So also, there is a discipline of a supernatural army. <laughs> if we're talking about spiritual succession, if we're talking about the next conference 2023 and how Lord is raising new armies, new generals, new frontiers, giving us new garments, giving us new mantles, there is a discipline. The Bible says, and Jesus lent obedience through the things that he suffered. Why? Because it was disciplined. Even to the point of death, to the point of the cross, he obeyed the price of the cross. Why? Because he was a disciplined soldier. So what's the purpose of the church? Matthew chapter 16 and verse 9, 18. Matthew 16, 9, 18. It says, I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. So the church... It's God's divine idea. The church is the pool of the scent. That's the pool of the scent. That's the place God sends you to to go and wash your eyes so that you can see. So that you can see. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 to 23 says, And he put all things under his feet 
and gave him to the, be the head over all things to the church. This is Jesus. Apostle Paul was talking about right here. Who is the head of the church? The very Jesus you call in isolation is the head of the church. Is the ruler, the legislator of the church. And so the church is God's divine idea. The church in Greek is called the ecclesia, the chosen one, the sense ones. And so you are also not just part of a biological family, you are also part of a spiritual family. There is a spiritual family. That's why Apostle Paul prayed that the God of our Father, of whom the family in heaven and on earth is named. The family, God's family in heaven and on earth is named. So there is a spiritual family that you belong to by divine apportioning that you belong to. And that divine family is the new for you. Glory be to God. So let's look at five things quickly. The role of the church. I wanted to write these things down because I, I, I want to build on these things to help us. Number one, the church is God's institution on the earth and it's God's idea. It was never a man's idea. It was God's idea. So when people say, oh, church, 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 it's God's idea. You're against the church. You're against God's idea. And you can't battle with the Lord. You can't fight against God because the church is God's idea. Number two, the body of Christ the body of Jesus, and Jesus is the head of the church. All right. Now, quickly, because of time, I want to talk about what the role of the saint is. The role of the saint. Look at me, everyone. One of the fastest ways of speed in your life is to know the anointings God has sent to you. To know the anointings. To know the saints. No matter how many times you pray, I tell you the truth sometimes, no matter how many clay of Jesus is put and put on your eyes, it would have to send you to the pool. There are 30 things you would not see until that pool washes your eyes to see it. The problem is many people are going to the pool and refuse to dip their eyes deep into the pool so that they can be cleansed. And there are people who go to the pool and they tell the pool how they want to be washed. This is how I want to be washed. This is how I want to be discipled. This is how I want to be raised. No, no, no. Your own work is to do the work. Your job is to do the work. What you want is that you may see. And let me say something to you. And I want you to remember this for the rest of your life. I use it as an analogy. No matter the car that you have, no matter the car of the destiny you are driving, at night, the kind of car you drive does not matter. One of the things that matters the most when you drive in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., is the headlamp. If you are driving a Benz, a G-Wagon, a Rolls Royce, and you are driving a Dassun car, or a Dewu Racer, you remember that Dewu Racer? No matter the car you are driving, at night, if your headlamp of your Benz or your G-Wagon or your, your, your Bentley or your Maybach, whatever those cars are, if the headlines are bad, you will drive, but you will move fast. Though you are driving a good car. But if a Dawoon or a De, is it Dawoon? <laughs> a Dewu Racer, if the headlamp is good, and you know the Dewu Racer car is dead, the Dasun car is dead, but if the headlamp is good, it would go faster than the G-Wagon because it could see further. Why? Because he had lights to run. In the race of destiny, your giftings, your talents, 
your ideas, your charisma, all of those things are good. They are like the Benz. They are like the G-Wagon. They are like the Bentley. They are all good. But you see, sight is the light in front. That's what the Bible says. Those who sat in Gratcrest are seeing a great light when Jesus came. Have you realized when God created the whole earth, there were two kinds of light. There were lesser lights to rule the day, lesser lights to rule the night, and greater lights to rule the day. What kind of a light are you operating in? But you see, the light you operate in is determined by the pool of the sense. So there are many people who go to the pool, but their heart is not going to them to that pool. There are many people who are going to the pool, but they are looking at the pool to determine if they should enter the pool or not. Who needs to enter into the pool if not you? And so you can be reading the book of Naaman, but you are replaying Naaman in your real life. Right very place. They said, jump into this thing and have, bath, have your bath there. And he looked at his recalia, looked at his prestige, looked at himself and determined who should wash him. Said, no, I'm not going to be there. The little, daughter, the little girl told him, listen, what are you thinking about? What do you want? Is it not that you'll be able to, you, you're cleansed of this leprosy? Jump into this thing, my friend, until he did that. And so you don't go to the pool and determine how, you don't go to swim and, determine, and tell the water how the water should bait you. The moment you enter into the pool, you are immersed in it. You have cooperated into it. If you want to have the experience of swimming, you have to give yourself fully inside and be immersed into it so that you can enjoy swimming. The pool of the scent. Jesus says, go to the pool called scent. The people God has sent to you. I want to share with you five things that I close. I want to know how many more minutes I have. Glory to God. Okay. Number one, Acts chapter, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. He said that he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. He himself, I love that scripture. He himself, God himself, the great monarch of the universe, he himself gave. He gave you your pastors. Your pastors are God's gifts to you. Your church is God's gift to you. The new is God's blessings to you. The new is God's gifts to you. It says he himself gave. gave. That's so powerful. If, if my wife is having a birthday and I give her a gift, my gift to her is out of my love for her. My gift to her shows to her that I truly love, honor, and desire her. That's the same way when God gives you your local assembly, when the Lord gives you your pastor, God looks at you and gifts you. Ah, my goodness. And when God gifts a man, you know you have the best gift. Acts chapter 20 verse 28, it says, Therefore take it to yourself and to the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his blood. Acts 20 and 28. So what is the role of your pastors? Number one, the pastor is to lead the church overseeing the work. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 3. That's the work of the pastor. Is to lead the work overseeing the work and lead the church so your pastors are the leaders of the work 
and they all submit to God. Number two, the pastor is to teach and preach the word, feeding the flock of God with the word of God. Timothy, um, Titus chapter 1 and verse 19, John chapter 21 and verse 15 and 17. Number three, your pastors are to care for and watch over the flock to ensure their health, comfort, and safety. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17. Number four, the pastor is to be an example to the flock. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1. And verse five, number five, the pastor is to pray for the flock and for the sheep. Now let's look at the roles of the members in the church. What are the roles? What are you supposed to be as a member of the local assembly called the new? It says number one, you are to rightly esteem the body of Christ. You are to rightly esteem the church. Don't be part of those that gossip about the church. Don't be part of those that just talk about things. No, you are to rightly esteem the body. Why? Because Jesus is the church. Remember when Jesus visited Peter, uh, Paul. He said, why have you persecuted me? Peter, no, I'm not persecuting you. If you persecute the church, you are persecuting me, Jesus says to him. Paul. So you have to rightly esteem the body. Number two. We're talking about how, what you do to come into the pool asylum to come under the authority of the local assembly listen every believer must be a part of a local assembly that's God's design to come under the authority Psalms 92 and verse 13 number three by involved in building and praying for the church there is an ongoing spiritual warfare that you must be a part of for your local assembly not just talking about the local no pray for your church Pray that the gospel prevails. The gospel goes to another level. We find new mediums, new opportunities to speak the word of God, new opportunities to preach the gospel, new, new finances, money, to be able to proclaim the word of the Lord. New voices to rise. You pray for your church. You carry a burden for your church. You ask God to perpetuate his work through your local assembly. That in your lifetime, you will see the divine promises. You will see the divine works of God through your local assembly. Number four, that you're involved in building the body by bringing people to church. You are involved in building your local assembly. Do you know that when you bring somebody to church, you are building that church? Do you know that when you give your offering, when you give your tithe, when you give your seeds, you are building that church? You are collaborating with Jesus to build that church. So all the things you do, your service in church, your offering, your invitation to friends, your bringing people to church, your soul willing to get people to church, you are part of building. You are building a asylum where more people would come and drink from. It's an eternal reward you get. That's why you must take evangelism seriously. You must take giving seriously as a member of a church family. Because that way you are giving. I'm telling you things that helps you to align. So that that anointing, that mantle, when it begins to land on us, you have it right. You are fit. Listen, God will not drop what someone is not ready for. No matter how many times you pray, once you are not ready for a level, it will not destroy you with that level. So it will not drop it on you. Number six, I hope you're writing these things down. You are not to cause division. Don't be part of believers who talk about, oh, do you know this unit head did this one? Do you know? Don't gossip. Don't do all of those things. Don't cause the divisions. 
fight for, stand for, speak for. Of course, please, when things are wrong, speak to your authority. When things are going wrong, maybe there's something, speak and if there are authorities or leaders doing anything, escalate it to the top. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me give you this 10 things and I close. Biblical reason to become a part of a local assembly. Why should you be part of a local assembly? Number one, you are obeying the word of God when you are a part of a local assembly. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 to 25. Matthew chapter 18 verse 20. You are obeying the word of God. If I say how many of you believe the word of God, how many of you love God? Everybody's going to raise their hands. But if you don't do that, you are not obeying. Listen, may your pool not dry up. And I want to pray for you. May you not go <laughs> to Bethesda when your pool is silent. There are people God has sent to you. Your local assembly, your pastors, they are gifts of God to you. Serve. Give. Be a part of it. Don't trivialize this thing. Listen, God doesn't raise people in isolation. It's in God's design that God has a way of bringing people out of a sect to raise them. Glory be to God. Number two is the commandment of love. Every time you're part of a local assembly, John chapter 13 and verse 35. Number three, you being a part of a local assembly helps you to identify with other believers. You identify with other believers. I'll teach deeper on this more later. Number four, because we are members of one another, we belong to each other. Number five, glory to God. Listen to me, everyone, as I close now. The same way you couldn't pick your spirit, your biological family, like I always say, is the same way God picks your spiritual family for you. But there are responsibilities to be a part of a spiritual family. You can't be in a family, biological family, and you are waking up, you are not doing anything, you are not cooking, you are not helping your mom in the kitchen, you are doing nothing, absolutely nothing. That's an irresponsible son or an irresponsible daughter. But if you are a part of a spiritual family, there are responsibilities of that spiritual family. Number one is to obey the standard and the honor of the creed of that family. What the family represents. Number two is to stand for, preserve, speak for. Give your part. The next conference is coming. The question you should be asking, how do I serve at this conference? That's the number one question every member of the new should be asking right now. You remember how your father or your mother wants to host a friend? How they will sweep the floor, how you will clean the house, how everybody will run out. That's the same way we are hosting a conference for the body of Christ as the new. Your spiritual responsibility as a son in this house should be how can I help? What must I do? How do I participate? What do I need to do? Finally, I want you to begin to prepare for next conference in three things. Number one, I want you to begin to pray for the next conference. Write this down. Pray for the next. Start praying every day for the I want to I want to ask you to take at least five minutes or ten minutes every day to pray for the next conference. Every day. Pray for the next. Pray for the speakers. Pray for those that God will send. Pray for the harvest. Number two. I want you to propose in your heart 
what you want to sow and give towards this conference at Sunday. We're doing it at Landmark Event Center. We're doing a lot of things, major things. Don't worry, when you come to the venue, you will not recognize the place. How do I give towards this? I want to sow towards this. I want to participate in this. Begin to, begin to stretch your faith. Give sacrificially towards it. Ask God, God, what do you want me to give? And start giving your seeds towards it. As we host the body of Christ. Do you know what it means for God to put this upon us as a church? To do this? I've looked at the design of Next Conference and I say it with every sense of humility, there is nothing like that in the body of Christ yet for our generation. So it's a unique assignment that you are a part of. And number three, I want you to start looking for people you want to invite for the conference. People you want to bring for the conference. Listen, if you do these three things I'm saying to you, it's one of the ways to prepare and when the box is checked, the host of heaven can know that this person is ready for a new oil. Get ready for the next conference. It's a conference of swap. But the more you wash, the farther you see. May you just go down your knees right now and ask God. Alamantos. If I take my career seriously, if I take my business seriously, then I'm going to take my spiritual family seriously. I'm going to take my spiritual walk seriously. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray for everyone. The next conference will bring another layer of glory upon your life. The Lord prepares you in the name of Jesus. This conference will be an announcement in the body of Christ. It will be one that God will spotlight you. It's a spiritual conference. The Lord told me it's a very prophetic conference. And you're going to see it yourself. It's going to be a very prophetic conference that would plunge people into deeper dimensions of God's glory. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were greatly blessed by today's message because God still has so much he wants to share with you. So stay connected every week to experience uplifting and life-changing moments in his presence.